You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. This was not a call uh, for, for just a, a universal forgiveness. It was a call for creditors to forgive the debts of those who owed them. Welcome to episode 486. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is 70 Times 7. Our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, his servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay all the, pay back all that he owned. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. Again, that's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. So even the most progressive Jesus scholars see our parable this week as as part of what could have been the earliest oral traditions tracing back to the historical Jesus himself. Uh, a rich man forgives 10,000 bags of gold owed to him by one of his slaves. And think of how much each of those bags would have been worth, and then multiply that by, by, by 10,000. In compassion, the creditor simply forgives the entire debt. Now, harmful interpretations of, of our parable this week, they teach that the abused and the oppressed, um, they, that they need to passively forgive their oppressor or their abuser over and over again, 70 times 7, and, and, and never require 
any change from the one that's responsible for for harming them. But before we spiritualize this parable to, to all relationships and all offenses, we need to step back and look at the original economic context. In the original context, oppressors, specifically creditors, are to forgive the debts of those that they were oppressing based on how much the oppressors themselves had been forgiven by Jesus' heavenly Father. And this was not a call uh, for, for just a universal forgiveness. This was a call for, uh, well, as one example, it wasn't a call for the indebted to forgive their abusive creditors. It was a call for creditors to forgive the debts of those who owed them. In the story, the forgiven one uh, next runs into someone who owes him only a hundred silver coins. It's a far lower amount. And, and rather than his, his own experience of forgiveness awakening in him uh, toward the person who owed him money, uh, this kind of same forgiveness, um, he, he chooses to seek to exact every last coin from his own debtor. And again, this was a story that called creditors to forgive the debts of those who owed them the same way they had been forgiven. And, and this parable, it originated not as an allegory, but it was an example of, of, of real life indebtedness that Jesus's audience would have been familiar with. From the beginning of Luke's gospel, Jesus shares a call to, to wealthy creditors to perform the ritual of the year of, of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee, where all debts are forgiven. This was part of Jesus's gospel. It was a call for economic liberation of those in debt, not through teaching people how to pay off those debts, but, but through debts being canceled. And this is how Luke's gospel sums it up. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the, recover, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And again, that year of the Lord's favor was the, the year of Jubilee. Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer also uses this same kind of economic language. In Matthew 6, 12, we read, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And later in the Jesus community, this idea of forgiving debts it expanded to include all offenses and all trespasses, not just economic indebtedness. Um, this is why in Luke's version of the of the Lord's Prayer, we just read Matthew's, but in Luke's version of the same prayer, it no longer names um, the the economic element. It just simply reads, "Forgive us not our debts." Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone, not our debtors, but everyone who sins against us. So, what, what by this time, what once called creditors or oppressors to forgive the debts of their debtors or the oppressed, by the time Luke's gospel is written, it does become a, a more universal call for everyone to forgive anyone of anything based on how much they themselves have been personally forgiven by God. But what once involved the wealthy canceling the debts of their poorer fellow Jesus followers 
here we see by this time it becomes universalized, which is the typical interpretation many of us are used to. Social location, um, again, it was no longer the focus. Money owed became allegorical, and it became allegorical for just general offenses. And, and forgiveness, it stopped meaning the canceling of real concrete debts, and it became just letting off the hook anyone who had done anything up to 490 times if they simply came back and repeatedly uh, said they were sorry. And again, by this time, the social location of the church had changed too. The church was being comprised of, 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 of those fire further up the hierarchy. And, and I'm not a fan of this evolution in the Jesus stories. And I know this is the, the, the version of the stories that we have access to today, but, but, but what it too often becomes is manipulative pressure for those who have suffered injustice or abuse to, to repeatedly forgive their abusers if the abuser expresses sorrow, whether they actually change or not. And some interpretations define the one seeking forgiveness as having to truly change. I get that. Um, but if that were true... The number of times needing forgiveness would never reach 70 times 7. It would never get to 490. But, but, but if this was actually a call for creditors to practice Jubilee, which is the Jewish roots of this story, and, and to practice that repeatedly, 70 times 7, no matter how many times people become indebted, then this story, it takes on an economic dimension that requires social change. If the creditors who follow Jesus must forgive the concrete debts of their debtors every year of Jubilee, then before too long, those creditors would be looking at the systemic causes of why folks are repeatedly being thrown into debt. This would have been a money loss for them. And as the saying goes, when you're, when you're continue, continually pulling people out of the water, it doesn't take long before one walks upstream to ask why those people are being thrown in the water to begin with. So, so what does this mean for us today? First, let's say what it doesn't mean. This parable doesn't mean that we shouldn't hold abusers accountable for the harm they inflict on others. Part of restorative justice is holding abusers accountable. Accountability is intrinsic to their own restoration and healing too, and it awakens and restores a sense of connection to their actions towards others. If there is an element of forgiveness involved, it just simply is a refusal to sever the abuser from humanity. It's the desire to hold them accountable and that not out of vengeance, but out of a, a desire to see them reformed. It's, it's a change in motives. And, and forgiveness should never be defined or interpreted as simply letting someone off the hook and pretending they did nothing wrong. Restoration and reparations, they must always be a part of the, the process of repairing harms that have been committed uh, for the life-giving well-being of, of every party that's involved. And this story, it still carries an economic element. How should Jesus followers today relate to, to economic debt forgiveness? I heard many Christian voices over the last two years speak out against student loan forgiveness. How would the Jesus of, of this week's readings 
respond to the idea of students being forgiven the astronomical cost of just simply becoming educated? How would he describe the the predatory practices of the loan industry that takes advantage of students? And consider the social location of those who have to seek student loans to gain an education to begin with. Considering these factors, certain Christians are grossly ignorant of how disconnected their religious worship of Jesus is from the actual values that their Jesus taught and, and, and these significant themes of his gospel. And this is just one example in our modern global capitalist system. Indebtedness is how countries continue to colonize and enslave other countries, even independent countries. They've become indebted uh, through uh, you know the 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 push uh, to or the drive to quote unquote develop those countries when that development creates the debt that those countries now bear but it was entirely so that their resources could be more easily exploited by global corporations if we follow the economic truths of our story this week it would turn our present economic world upside down and maybe we could just start with with uh, christians simply forgiving the debts of their fellow christians there are christian ministries out there that raise funds uh, they, they take donations purely for the purpose of being able to pay off people's medical debts and what a blessing to be able to say to someone that they're set free from what they owed for for something as vital as their own health care what about debt uh, at faith based hospitals or or education debt owed to christian colleges and universities what about the indebtedness that comes when folks fall on hard times how could it change the world if christians and christian institutions they just simply chose to cancel the debt even of just other Jesus followers. And I'm not suggesting this is where the practice should end. I don't think it should just be that. But that would be a great place for a global year of the Lord's favor to, to begin. Heart group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how do you imagine Jesus's jubilee debt forgiveness could be applied in our world today? Share and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If if you would like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to renewedheartministries.com and clicking donate. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platform. Uh, we post something almost every day. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment uh, to, to like and subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast platform you're using. And consider taking some time this week to leave us a positive review. This helps others find this podcast as well. Remember, we're partnering with Todd Leonard this year. 
doing a new YouTube show called Just Talking. Each week we'll be talking about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking about it in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that that conversation will be just as in justice, but we also hope that uh, something we might say during that conversation might inspire you alongside of us to do more than just talking. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at renewedheartministries.com as well. Right where you are this week, Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.